Welcome to Pondering with Peg, Episode 5. Today I'm blessed to have Gary Moran Thomas as my guest. I met Gary at Paris Study, which is located in Chester Heights, PA. The first time I met Gary was the first time I went to Paris Study. Every first Monday of the month is Psychic Night. On Psychic Night, they offer psychic reading, readings and Reiki with some of the most gifted readers and healers in the area. I had brought a friend along and we had signed up for a reading and were waiting with some of the others in the rooms. Gary came in to introduce himself and talk about Paris Study and what it offers and spoke about the class he teaches called Hello Again. This course teaches about reincarnation. I asked Gary if he had ever met anyone who remembers choosing his or her life pre-birth. I told him that I remember the choosing and his face lit up. I knew I had found a safe place to tell my story. I signed up for the class and enjoyed every minute of it. I knew the basic idea of reincarnation, but was introduced to so much more through Gary's class. Gary, can you talk about what inspired you to start the class? Actually, I would have to say it's my, uh, my grandmother. Uh, she was uh, what's called a Rosicrucian. It's the Order of the Rosy Cross, which is uh, an ancient uh, order going way back into European times. Um, and she was an instructor in that class. Uh, this would be back in the 60s. And she was the first person that introduced me to this, these ideas. They were foreign at first, but uh, as time went on, they became uh, much more familiar and much more comfortable. Um, and so, uh, with not exactly her prodding, um, at least not from this side, uh, if I think probably from the other side, uh, I ended up inheriting some of her books. Uh, and in fact, I have some of the right there that are uh, uh, hers. Uh, and uh, so I kind of had a, uh, an interest in the background in the metaphysical world. Um, and she told me about all these uh, the amazing stories about Atlantis and Lemuria and about Edgar Cayce and about all these treatments and all these readings. And I, I had to just put it on the shelf because uh, at 14 or 15, you, you're not, well, I wasn't all that tuned in, let's say. and. So we had, uh, but each time I'd go there home, uh, I'd be home for Christmas or uh, when I was in college and, and afterwards when I was teaching, uh, I would uh, kind of, uh, when I would go to her house, I'd always make sure I got engaged in the conversation and they got longer and longer and they, <laughs> and they were uh, more mystifying. So I would say, if anything, she's kind of the inspiration. Uh, for uh, the class. It's, not, it's great that you had the time to talk to her, you know, because with my own grandfather, I kind of wish I had, I was young when he passed, but I wish I had had some time to ask him more questions on the spiritual side of things. I didn't ask anywhere near enough. Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't really sure what I thought of it, I read books on Edgar Cayce, and like I would, 
I would read through things and be all excited about it, and then I would kind of uh, wander away from the information. But um, I, I wish now, of course, I had spent a lot more time, uh, and and I wouldn't have had to figure so many things out for myself. It would have been nice to have a cheat sheet, you know, and and have her help me uh, to understand some of these things that, uh, you know, I'm 70 now, so it's like, uh, I'm not even beginning to understand half the stuff I probably would have if I had, uh, you know, been able to take more advantage of that. Because she was, she was such a, an amazing source of information, because she was teaching these classes then. Uh, so. It's true I, I didn't have as much time as I would have liked, but I, I value the time uh, we had with her. Uh, one, one incident stands out in particular. She, my father died when I was 16, and as part of that process, uh, my mom was uh, in deep mourning, and uh, he was only 43, and she was uh, in, her, in her early 40s. And... Uh, she was just devastated. And in fact, um, my grandmother came to her. It's age, this is, I'm 16 now. And, and I heard her say the words that Dick, my father, uh, was being uh, kept earthbound because of her deep mourning, her deep um, missing of him. And she came and advised that she, that uh, she, my mother had to let my father go emotionally. Uh, and he was keeping her earthbound. So uh, that's the first time I really heard anything that was actually directed to me and you know my family. And that's always left such an impression uh, on me to have that experience. So I've taken the class with Gary, loved it. Um, I was wondering if you'd give the listeners some idea of the topics that you cover in the class. Uh, sure. <laughs> there are many, <laughs> and they're also very interesting. Well, we have a lot of the uh, typical uh, reincarnation, soul groups, and past lives, and um, and there are so many uh, newer things that we're becoming aware of. But I say newer in that I didn't. I hadn't read about them completely. If I had really read my Edgar Casey, they were all there already. And Edgar Casey is uh, a person that you definitely, if you're going to look, start looking into the metaphysical world, you should become very familiar with. Uh, he had over, well, almost 15,000 uh, readings, which were documented and uh, and were followed up, and and uh, many of them were health readings, but many of them uh, towards uh, the latter part, about 2,500 of them were um, what they called life readings. And those, uh, that information uh, of, of some of the things that we, uh, that I'm, I'm, I thought was new, for instance, your, your uh, uh, work with, you know, knowing that you had uh, made choices that was old stuff with Casey, and he had talked about that. <laughs> I found out a lot since then. I just like I, I just had a gap in my knowledge. Um, so I would encourage anybody who was thinking about looking into these things, the 
ARE, the Association for Research and Enlightenment, uh, or, or you could Google Edgar Cayce. Uh, those would be good sources uh, to begin uh, your journey, your spiritual journey, if, uh, if you're at that point. If you're kind of further along the path, I'm sure there's other uh, people that you could uh, name, but that, that was a that was an important uh, piece of information for me, uh, and I want to pass that on to your listeners. Uh, there are so many other pieces of information or sorts or types, but it's all pretty much could be summed up uh, in, in that uh, life is continuous and it's purposeful. And to keep it simple, <laughs> It's purposeful in that it serves some kind of purpose. You either teach or you learn, or oftentimes both, uh, during a, 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 a sojourn or a journey or a, uh, an adventure or what do you want to call it. Uh, and so that uh, each of those lives has uh, importance. There's some, some reason, something. And... Oftentimes that reason is that you have maybe unfinished business to attend to, uh, maybe you have things that you need to um, work on, you have relationships that need healing, you have relationships that need uh, to be, uh, well, I, I, could say, I guess work on would be a, a, a general term. And so uh, it's purposeful. And it's continuous. Uh, life does not stop at at uh, at, at death. Um, it's uh, in fact quite the opposite. Uh, you're oftentimes very very actively involved uh, on the other side. Even uh, there's there's uh, opportunity for all kinds of soul growth. Uh, it isn't just life and death black and white, switch on, switch off. It's, it's really a whole universe of opportunities, a whole universe of, of um, availability of learning. Um, and, and those, uh, Casey likened it to uh, a university, that there are many uh, colleges in that university, as there are in any college. And so there are things to be learned uh, and part of that uh, learning is accomplished by uh, doing it in groups. And uh, as a teacher, I always like group work. And so I like to uh, work with people and interact with them in an unusual way sometimes to, to uh, get them to react or to think. And uh, the interaction uh, in your groups are your soul groups. Uh, now, soul group isn't what most people would immediately rush off and say, you know, uh, uh, soul group doesn't mean you necessarily like the person. <laughs> so it isn't necessarily your girlfriend or boyfriend, the ideal person of, of your love life. Uh, it can be, uh, and, and it, it, it is impossible to be. But it's just as likely that it's the son of a bitch at work who, who is the hardest person for you to understand, 
Uh, it's your mother-in-law who presents problem after problem. It, it's your uh, child who just doesn't behave. Uh, in other words, it's life. It's your family. And so you travel in groups and, uh, and you work in groups. Now, you can change your relationships. Uh, relationships change. Uh, you might be a, a female one time and a male another time. Um, you might be the son one time and the daughter the next time and the mother the next time. It all depends, and remember, purposeful. It all depends on the purpose that uh, are, you're trying to accomplish. And that's kind of a hidden agenda, if you will, but it's not, uh, it's not an a unknowable agenda. And I'll talk about that a little bit later on. <laughs> so uh, I would say, if, if to summarize... Uh, uh, you know, hello again. Uh, it, it's uh, the, it's purposeful, and it's continuous. Uh, and that's to keep it simple. I find it really interesting that, with my own experience, I never connected it with reincarnation. At least not thinking about it that way. Like I knew I chose, I came in, mm -hmm. but I never really connected it to the idea of reincarnation until we started to talk and I thought, oh, well, that makes sense. Um, I always believed it could happen. I was never a non-believer, but growing up Catholic, you don't really hear much about reincarnation. They don't really talk about that too much. Um, so I find it interesting now because there are things I'll do and I think, oh, I have to stop doing that because I really don't want to come back and deal with that again. <laughs> like It's kind of in my head now, you know, that I, I can't, I have to deal with it and yeah. deal with it now so you don't have to repeat it in the next life. It, it really does change your thinking in such a positive way, though, about yeah. what's going on. I find that to be uh, the case is that it, it, uh, it really has demystified all the craziness of life uh, that I've... Uh, it used to be that it just seemed life was just a massive confusion. Uh, and and part of what's happened is I've it's you know it's purposeful, yes, but it's it also it it, it has it has such meaning and and, and and very profound meaning. But the out of the chaos comes order, that there is a there is method to the madness. There is a reason for things happening, and sometimes they're very painful and sad uh, things that happen. But oftentimes those things uh, lead to uh, a much greater uh, good, or if not a good, if you don't want to use value judgments, you can just, uh, the, they're very profound learnings. Um, and they, they make us more compassionate to, I, to others that go through it. Like you, you and I both lost our fathers at 16. Yeah, so, that's an interesting connection. Yeah, so that makes you it made me more compassionate my whole life to children who lost parents at an early age yeah. you understand the hurt and how it changes a friend of mine her husband once said that uh it changes who you are or who you thought you were at that point when it happens at a young age things change your life changes greatly when that happens so 
it makes you so much more compassionate and understanding of those that have gone through it. Uh, I agree. Uh, I, I agree completely. But the another element of it is that uh, I'm grateful for uh, my father uh, that this was a done deal. See? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was arranged ahead of time. Right. And so he uh, was able to... Um, we had a, wonder, a wonderful uh, time together, my dad and I. Uh, we were buddies, we were uh, friends, and uh, it was really a, a, a privilege to be a part of his life. He was uh, a very well-liked person and uh, respected and, and uh, cared about in many, many ways. And a uh, simple guy. And, uh, but from that, I was able to kind of... Uh, uh, figure out a lot of things. Um, I had the answer sheet. It was my dad. And to uh, his way of, of looking and thinking about things was very spiritual. Um, he was very spiritual, and I don't mean necessarily... Uh, Not uh, religious, but spiritual. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. he was... Um, Probably the most, uh, what I considered, at least at that point in time, you know, the most um, spiritual person I knew, that he would, he would uh, always be thinking of other people, and his love for them was very intense. And, uh, and I didn't, we didn't use those words then. In fact, uh, I never, in 16 years of life, never heard him utter the word, I love you. But that wasn't the thing you did then. That wasn't how you acted. But the foundation was, I was privileged to have that foundation laid for me. And it was, uh, uh, I think, a great, uh, a great deal to do with, with uh, not just this course, but also just kind of my evolution, you know, as a, as a person and a spiritual person. And, uh, and I've, I've found that such a, 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 a bonus that I kind of had the uh, inside scoop on how you're supposed to act. Uh, I don't think I had any great spiritual experiences uh, that I can remember. I, I had a few things that happened, but it was just the role model. And it, it, the, my father was a stronger role model after he died than he was before he died. And he already was strong then, but I was, you know, a dumb kid and not necessarily tuned into things. So I, I was uh, doubly privileged uh, to have that happen for me, you know, and, and to kind of gain the, uh, some insight into the, what it's all about. Right, and, and your class has helped me with my own experience with that. Um, I've always been fortunate because I knew I chose the life that when these big events have happened that are you know, rock your world and not in the most positive way at first. I kind of knew, you know, I knew I chose it. So that in some way kept me peaceful and like, I know I have to deal with it. You know, it's just part of why I'm here. We're going to get through it. Um, but with, I've realized more over the past few weeks after taking the class that with my own father, I was with him when he was diagnosed that he had leukemia. My mother was at work. It was I was at the hospital with them. I was in the room when they told them. Um, 
and I was with him when he passed away and and it was not a pretty scene but I and it was just it was a really horrible thing to go through at 16 but I think now the reason the and I've been thinking about it more is that I was supposed to be there because I knew I already knew it was going to happen at the soul level not when it happened but I knew this was going to you know I chose the life so I knew at some somewhere in there it was going to come so I think it was better for me to be with them than my mother because like your mother she had a very hard time after he passed because she was in her 40s as well yeah. um still very young so it was very hard for her and still is you know to this day after all those years she still has a hard time with it so i i really that has given me a little more peace as to why i had to go through that because yeah. now i realize you know i i could handle it on that level you know that i was supposed to be there i you know i was there to protect her from having to see that or deal with it or someone else who may not have understood that or or may have really had even a harder time with it yeah. you know like i had a very hard time for a while i had um like post-traumatic stress syndrome where i would relive it over and over again as a as a young girl but you know it went away but i could handle it i always knew this is just part of what you do this is part of what you go through and just keep going you know always had that you just keep just keep moving on yeah. but it didn't take me down to the point where i can't i wouldn't live my life or i felt that it god has done it out of meanness or spite i've never felt that way about anything i don't think i've ever questioned the the reason why things have happened to me for the most part you know because i know they have to or they you know it's all part of this life getting ready you know, learning my lessons. And yeah. uh, the classes really helped me with a lot of that as well. Um, and I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about... I, I was fascinated. I had heard... Of course, I've heard of Atlantis. I've walked, watched some shows on it. But I really didn't know a ton about it. You know, we hear yeah. about it. But, you know, your uh, class on that was very interesting because it... And the, the Lemurians and Atlantis right. and... That is so interesting, and to this day, how it still affects us. And Well, a lot of people don't. Uh, I think of all the things that Casey talked about, Atlantis is the, the most uh, difficult to set your uh, teeth into because everything, mostly he did health readings. And those are well documented. Then he would travel, the astral travel to the person, examine the body, or do the, the exam. Uh, he would never examine the person in the room. Uh, there never was any examination. It was always a psychic examination. But, uh, and the, the life readings, there was information and there are things that you could point to and tendencies and personality qualities and characteristics in the person. But when you get to the the realm of Atlantis, it's um, I guess you just have to go on belief, uh, and so uh, I, I caution people <laughs> about that. But uh, so I just go and I say, well, okay, I'm just going to go on belief. I'll just 
see what it has to say. And it's I- ironic that the the more things happen, uh, the more we find out uh, the truth of what uh, actually happened. The in in short, uh, Atlantis was uh, a kind of uh, at one time a very a very um, ideal place. Uh, people were still uh, at the point where they were still connected to their spiritual, directly connected to their spiritual self. They could go in and out of spirit. Uh, godlings, as the Egyptians called them. Uh, and as time went on and as things happened uh, to Atlantis, elements started coming up uh, in, in that culture, and uh, people became more uh, connected to the, to the uh, material rather than the spiritual. And because of the material uh, connection, they got locked into flesh. They became uh, unable to still maintain their spirituality. And so they had to, uh, as they became more and more uh, materialistic, more and more uh, connected and less and less connected to their spiritual, there became divisions within the culture itself, the society itself, and eventually led to the disruption and destruction of the culture. There were three major destructions, but not to go into a lot of geology, but the, the bottom uh, line is that the uh, culture uh, imploded upon itself and was destroyed. And uh, so were several other, uh, uh, Lemuria uh, and, and a number of other uh, uh, societies like that were, um, not necessarily for the same reasons, but they did go through those geological changes. And you might say, well, that's a nice story, and that's okay. And, but uh, there are three fascinating threads of information that, uh, that are Edgar Casey pops up again, lo and behold. And uh, he was asked uh, at one point why, uh, or not why, but what um, evidence, uh, if any, is there of, of Atlantis. And he identified that there were uh, three, um, well, there were actually many more, but there were at least three major Exoduses from the the the, the, the area, and uh, they were in the area of Egypt, uh, in the Iberian Peninsula, uh, um, in in the in the Basque regions, uh, and in the United States in the uh, uh, Chaco Canyon and the Mound Builders, are remnants of the Maya uh, that have uh, come to us from that that uh, problem or that situation. And the, uh, each of those has uh, a fascinating history behind it. Uh, the first was the, uh, it was asked by, uh, of Edgar Casey where um, Atlantis was located and, and <laughs> uh, the remnants of Atlantis were located. And, and he identified that the, in the year, say it was 1934 or something like that, 
they said to uh, look at the University of Pennsylvania. No, I'm sorry. They just said they are digging there now. And upon examination, the only uh, group that was digging at that time in any place in Central America, Mesoamerica, was uh, the University of Pennsylvania at a place called uh, uh, Padre Negros. Pedros Negros, uh, the Black Rock. And so that is uh, a hot lead. Uh, there is definitely a place there. Uh, there is a, a history of, of, of that place. And, and so uh, that's an exciting thing that the ARE is looking into and investigating uh, quite actively. Also Bimini, uh, the area of Bimini. Um, the, uh, the Bimini Road has, has been greatly questioned because of beach rock. And, and although beach rock was the form of construction of these uh, uh, areas, it, it really um, is much more than just beach rock. Beach rock is a, a natural occurring geological formation. But these are uh, stacked stacks of beach rock that also have wedges and also have uh, mitered uh, uh, joints. And uh, nature doesn't do that. Uh, so man has been there. Uh, and so the Bimini area is, is a very uh, important area. And it's important not to get, uh, say, oh, that, that's, uh, oh, that's just beach rock. Well, no. <laughs> when you look into it and you investigate, you find out there's a lot more than just that. And the last is in the pyramids uh, in, in Egypt. Uh, there was a, uh, in, the, in the Sphinx, there is a, uh, uh, an interesting tidbit of information that there are, in fact, uh, spaces under parts of the Sphinx. And those dead spaces, those uh, ground-penetrating uh, radar, uh, are proving very interesting. And unfortunately, the last time they were getting ready to drill at the, the ARE was, uh, they had a kind of a revolt uh, in Egypt, and the Black uh, Brotherhood took over. And, uh, and so... Uh, there was a political instability that really hasn't resolved itself yet. So when those things square away and those things uh, clear up, uh, I, would, uh, I would hope that someday, although Casey did say that we would not find these things until mankind was ready for them. And I think we have in some ways a long way to go. And in some ways, I, I think some, there's a lot of spiritual people that are really leading the way to those those, uh, those wonderful uh, treasures of information. Because in, uh, in those three locations are uh, tablets that are uh, modified and are written and will explain the whole process of Atlantis. And, and that should be a, a very interesting uh, experience when those things become revealed. Um, so yeah, we're we're leaving the. There's some great adventures yet to be had, you know. Yeah, and I find that even though some people may disregard the the theory of Atlantis or, 
not really take much stock in it. So many people, you always hear about it. You hear, you know, there are shows about it. There's research on it constantly. So it's there within us. And, yeah. you know, there yeah. are some who remember. I think they're the ones who are researching it. They're remembering it on a soul level. Like, you know, we have to figure this out and find it out and get it out there so people are aware of it. You know, once we learn more about it and learn the lessons, it may keep us from repeating it. Well, I, I find it fascinating that this little tidbits of, of uh, geology, um, the, the uh, Sphinx was for years uh, said to be a, uh, a windborne, uh, there was windborne erosion there uh, because of, uh, there, there is erosion and uh, and then a, a Dr. Schlork, who went there from the uh, Boston University, he's, he's a geologist, and he says, well, that's not wind erosion, that's water erosion. <laughs> and that may not seem like a profound thing to you, but about last time there was a temperate climate um, was about the time that the exodus uh, from Atlantis was uh, to occur, about around the... the 10,500 roughly uh, and although that disagrees with the history of the uh, Egyptian people um, it certainly coincides with geology uh, as does the fact that the uh, Casey said that the uh, the Nile River at one time emptied into the Atlantic and no one gave much credibility to that well, lo and behold, <laughs> uh, the NASA photos, you know, the space shots, showed a, very clearly a riverbed. And there were large areas of population, that, and it, don't, and it went right out to the Atlantic. Uh, and so there are things that we're discovering uh, that um, aren't just fascinating, but are, are, are very factual and, and very... Uh, informative and and so we, we're going to have to start rethinking some of these thoughts we have about many things uh, uh. well one of the topics you brought up in the class and and brief kind of briefly um, which I was kind of hoping maybe the next round you would expand on <laughs> in the class is the idea of or of Jesus and his past lives. I found that fascinating. I would love to know more about that. You know, um, that he, you know, he had past lives and had to work through some karma as well. And I think that is actually kind of comforting <laughs> to us. Yeah, he had 33 past lives. And uh, according to Casey, and uh, this is the book, Edgar Cayce's Story of Jesus, which is one of the books that my grandmother had uh, loaned me. I don't loan this book out. I loan everything else out, but I won't loan that one out. And uh, truly, Jesus was uh, a man. A man. I mean, he, he lived a man's life, and he reincarnated this like everybody else. Uh, he even had some incarnations that were a little bit, a little bit iffy for 
he was into smiting quite a bit, and uh, it it kind of took over his uh, part of his soul. He became uh, he had work to do on the other side, uh, even even Jesus. Uh, but uh, his last incarnation, uh, I find I find it incredible that people would. Uh, say Jesus is, is uh, in the temple at around age 13 or something like that. And uh, and we don't hear from the main character in this whole drama mm -hmm. <laughs> until uh, he's 30. And and then he's has a three-year blip and then he's gone. I find it uh, incredible to believe that Somebody this important in the in the drama of Western civilization and of of uh, uh, God's son wouldn't go anywhere. And the the Bible basically doesn't say anything. And Edgar Casey has a very detailed uh, account of what he. Uh, and there are uh, trails and remnants of his. Uh, uh, Jesus's uh, experiences that are quite clear. Saint Isa in in the uh, Hindu faith is uh, is Jesus, and I'm I don't know. Uh, I've asked. <laughs> I've only asked one person, and then and that person said, "Oh, that's your Jesus." They know that. <laughs> they accept. They go, "Oh yeah, that's that's who that is." You know, like it's not a big deal, uh, except we're just so culturally cut off from, uh, um, you know, we're we're just so uh, stuck on ourselves that we think that we're the only thing that counts. And um, so there's a, a great deal of information about uh, his other lives, lives in Persia, lives in uh, India, lives in Tibet. Uh, lives in uh, in a section of Persia and a whole different uh... so he, he got around a lot he traveled around a lot and he learned a lot because he was learning from the holy men he was learning from the ancient traditions of of, uh, of the Hindu and uh, the the Buddhist faith and the, so he's such a such a force to be reckoned with it's it's hard to realize that or for people to think that there is uh, no other time and I guess it was inconvenient I don't know why uh, uh, they didn't bother describing more what he did in his supposed time he, he wasn't hanging around being a carpenter's assistant uh, that isn't what he was doing. He was out doing valuable training. He was at, at uh, with with John, uh, with uh, in it being initiated into into the uh, uh, pyramids. Uh, they they were initiation sites. Uh, he was uh, in, involved in the Essene community. In a lot of his early communion and his his teacher Judith, uh, so there. I mean, there's a according to Casey, there's a, a quite clear uh, 
written record of where he was and what he was doing. Um, so I find that uh, perplexing. <laughs> well, I'm sure as I would, I would say that for my own opinion, the reason that it was probably not brought into uh, the Bible or what the Christ, later Christian faith was based on was probably because, you know, if you accept that, that he traveled and was learning from the Buddhists and learning from the Hindus, then you have to accept that all faiths are true. <laughs> and in order to keep a group of people in one or under what you want them to believe, you're not going to give them that option. You know, that's how yeah. I look at it, you know, yeah. Yeah. because the more information you give them, you know, knowledge is power. The more information you give, the more people begin to think and have form opinions and and look at the facts and, and bring what's true to them out of it. So well, there clearly was an editing of the books uh, in in the Council of Nicaea mm -hmm. in 30 something. Right. Uh, Constantinople uh, or Constantine simply called everybody together and then said, okay, these books are going to be in and these are going to be out. Now, what is it, you know? And he wanted one consistent uh, uh, opinion. And now we're finding many of these books uh, are, in fact, uh, because they, when they went out of, uh, out of uh, favor, they knew that they were their their days were numbered, so they hid them in jars and wherever else they could to to preserve them, and and those are resurfacing. Uh, the Gnostic Gospels, <laughs> right, uh, mm -hmm. are a clear example of that. There's just a whole bunch of stuff out there that uh, you can't refute that these are archaeological truths. Um, and that don't the, the Gnostic Gospels teach of, or speak of reincarnation, I believe. Many, many of the, uh, there's parts in the Bible that talk about reincarnation. Mm -hmm. right. So it's, it's oftentimes coded, but when it, it, it's uh, alluding to the, the fact that uh, you can't be born uh, unless you've been uh, you're born again. Well, that that's oftentimes misinterpreted. You have to be spiritually born again. It just means that's what you were. You have been born more than once, and that no man will get into heaven uh, except those who have come out. And it's like that is what they, they he was talking about. Now I don't know why they left that tantalizing little <laughs> bit in. Uh, about being born again, and it's certainly uh, come to mean something very different. But, uh, I mean, those those are fighting words. You've got to challenge that kind of uh, rhetoric, you know. And and uh, I know I have a, a sister and a brother-in-law who would challenge it, and so we, we just uh, don't talk about uh, religion and politics because uh, those... Uh, Although my sister on the side will have to, I will have to admit, will ask me about readings and things that, that, that before my dad said and, and my uh, sister and my uh, uh, mother said. In fact, my sister just sent me that picture over there. And it's uh, basically a representation of some clouds that she saw 
the day, uh, right around the time my mother died, uh, two years ago, and uh, and that is, uh, I never knew that they were my initials until yesterday, uh, and it's uh, Melinda, her name, uh, GMT, my name, my initials, and D, Dolores, and so she she knows something's going on, but she doesn't know quite what to make of it, you know, and so she's She's working on it, uh, you know. So we all, I guess, all have our, our struggles. But uh, certainly uh, knowing more about uh, historical figures like Jesus uh, is, a, is, a, is a, an important piece of it. Of course, I'm a social studies teacher, so I love history. But uh, I think at, at a very profound level, that's a, an important kind of thing to understand uh, about ourselves, about our culture. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, Jesus and karma is on my latest <laughs> spiritual radar. I just love the subject and find it very interesting. Uh, so I'm trying to think of some of the, uh, there's so much in the class, and, and Gary uh, was kind enough during the class to also uh, bring some people in. We had Carolyn Jalone uh, come in and do a, a group regression with us during the class. That was really great. Everybody loved it. And then Melinda Cahill was in um, to um, channel some of our past lives and give us some information on our past lives. And uh, all of it was just so interesting. Everyone loved it. Uh, I've never really been in a class where um, nobody wanted to leave. You know, the class ended at 9. There were nights we didn't leave till after 11. Yeah. And then all the way home, because I had a few of the people in my car, we had like a little carpool. The whole way home, they would talk about, you know, how great it was and couldn't wait to the next, <laughs> the next class. And we had just left that one. So it's... Yeah, funny it, thing about the class. class, when I started putting it together originally, I've done it three times now, and the uh, the first time I just did four topics, four, and and kind of just ran it up the flagpole to see how it would do, and it did, it did okay, but there was, uh, we ran into the same trouble, we kept on running out of time, so I, I changed it instead of our normal uh, parastudy uh, 7 to 8.30 uh, time frame, I put it uh, 7 to 9. Uh, and so I thought, well, that will help. Uh, it didn't. <laughs> we kept on, it kept, the more we talked, the more, there's more to, more to say and more, and, and, and uh, don't uh, misconstrue this as that I'm pontificating on things. Uh, I'm I'm a, a consumer and a listener, and because uh, uh, the students have so many important things to say, and uh, a lot of very gifted, uh, talented people spiritually, and it was just good to share information, and so we ended up uh, the second time through, uh, we we had we were going to expand the class, and so. Then we're going to expand it to, to uh, six sessions. And then, uh, and then we couldn't even finish up in six, so we had to go to eight 
just to finish up, because I kept on finding out all these cool things. And there's just so many cool articles and so many exciting things, you know, that, that are going on out there that, uh, that this field that felt like people wanted to know about. So we ended up with eight sessions. Uh, and we started off with four and then six and then eight. I don't know what we'll do next time. Uh, yeah, even after eight. Those of us in the class were so sad it was over and that we weren't coming back the next week because we really loved it. Yeah, it was kind of a withdrawal kind of thing. Yeah. Because you know? uh, there was a, an up, uh, an anticipation of, of uh, cool things to happen, you know. Uh, <laughs> so we'll have to see what, what happens next time. I, I don't know. And if you live in the area, uh, Philadelphia area, or even Delaware or some parts of Jersey that border Philadelphia. If you're in the area, um, you should check out Gary's class at Paris Study. You can uh, look at some information on it at parastudy.com. Uh, it's a great class to take and very affordable for all the information in the weeks that are included. So um, is there anything else you wanted to maybe add in or? Oh, only. <laughs> Uh, there are so many things you could talk about. Uh, well, don't worry. I'll be getting you for another podcast, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I did want to point out one thing about <clears throat> near-death experiences. See, I think there's a convergence of a lot of things going on uh, spiritually. Uh, and I think in the... Even in the mainstream spiritual world, uh, I think there's a lot of information uh, uh, that we have books that are coming out about so many topics that that are seeming like uh, uh, scattered, but really I, I I look at a bigger pattern that today, uh, 1975, uh, when uh, Near-death experience. I'm trying to think of. Uh, uh, anyhow, when that first that term uh, first started happening, uh, that was 1975, and I remember I was reading it uh, that book, uh, and I consumed it in a, in, in a day because it was so fascinating that there were people who actually had had near-death experiences, and then I started finding out <clears throat> that there were a lot of <clears throat> near-death experiences. And so I think we're being prepared in a larger scale of, of, of uh, awareness of uh, opening up to um, a lot of more um, profound information. So I would say today the acceptance of, of uh, of a class on reincarnation is much higher than it would have been, you know, in the, just a very short time ago. Um, and, I, and I'm near death experiences and all the coming together of all the, excuse me, all the information that uh, all these different sources are all kind of leading and building up to, I, I feel like a, um, an important and profound um, conclusion of some sort. I don't know where it's going, but I would just say that uh, stay tuned, hang on, there's good stuff coming. Yeah, I feel honored to be living in this time 
because there's going to be a lot going on. A lot's going to come out. I think we're going to be fortunate enough to be a part of. I hope. Yeah. I think we are. So uh, I did want to let you know, for those of you who read my blog, uh, Pondering with Peg at blogspot.com, Gary is mentioned in one of the posts. It's the post, Inspiration from a Ghost Box. And for those listeners who do not meet, read my blog, I'll give you a, a little story on how I met Gary before I actually met Gary. <laughs> um, right at the beginning... I, would, I call it my more my reawakening. I think I was always awake. I was awake coming in, and then you kind of close down for a while, and then you reawaken and start, really start working on your spiritual journey. So when I, when I started to reawaken, I was reading a lot of information on spirit guides, you know, and how you contact them and, and find out who they are. And I was really, really desperately wanting to know who my spirit guides were. And I kept asking, you know, please show yourself to me, tell me your name. And so, you know, that went on for a while. And I just, you know, I think they were kind of holding back on, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of come when we're ready, <laughs> you know, or when you're ready to, to meet us. So I, I was sleeping one night and I was dreaming. And all of a sudden in the dream, I was on a, the porch, the enclosed porch of the house next to the house I grew up in as a child. And standing in front of me was this, this man, and he had on a white, like, dress shirt, long sleeve, this bright yellow tie, um, gray hair, tall. And I looked at him in the dream, and I just went, oh, you came. And he looked at me, and all of a sudden, he took me to another place. And this place was... I really don't know how to explain it because you know how dreams are a little crazy. You know, things are really odd in the dream, like how they look. But I I, I guess I would kind of look at it, it, it. People were working on things. They were all fixing things. There were a lot of people fixing. Maybe they kind of look like cars or machines. A lot of repair work going on, which is kind of interesting when you really think about it metaphysically later. But a lot of repair work going on. And he brought me back, and there was a young man sitting on, like, a curbed area. And he introduced me to him. Like, he just showed me him. He didn't say much, just showed me him as if I was supposed to meet him. And then it was done. So, months later, I had a reading with a woman um, who was out in the middle of the country. I had a phone reading with her. She doesn't know, she didn't know me at all. She knows me well now. She didn't know me well then, didn't know me at all. And uh, in the beginning of the reading, she said, oh, your guides are here. And I was so excited. It was like, oh, cool. Now maybe I can find out who they are. And she said, there's an older man, gray hair, tall. She described the man that I had seen in this dream. And she said, and he's very serious, very serious. And she said, He's actually a little high level, so it's hard for me to talk to him. She said, he's kind of giving me the I don't know if I can kind of tell you anything deal. And she said, but it's not like he's being rude. It's just that his vibration is higher and it's how, you know, how he's connecting in. And she said, so he's he's kind of high level. And she, she described him to a T to the man that I saw in my dream. And then she said, there's another younger man. 
and he's there with them and he said that he is also your guide that he is a newer guide and he's learning how to be a guide and he's working with you and he's going to bring more a lightness to it a little humor a little lightness where the other man is very serious in his approach so i was thrilled to realize that they really you know that it was confirmation that they were my guides so this is probably two years ago that i had this conversation with her and i had met gary at paris study um and then started taking in the class and about two weeks into the class he was talking and i'm looking at him thinking oh that's interesting he is the man I saw in my dream, except that Gary's wardrobe is more comfortable. Gary is a flannel shirt and very, <laughs> you know, relaxed. Where this man was, you know, business-like, tie-on. And I knew there was a connection, that there was a reason, you know, why they had shown me, he had shown me himself in the form of someone that I was going to meet later. Um, I really feel that now I understand that Gary has become... A, a good friend but also a great teacher to me um, he's allowed me to open up and get my story out and be able to speak it uh, it's you know he really is a guide to me uh, on this earth so that was really fascinating it was really interesting you know to see my to see that person in a dream and then a couple years later there's someone standing in front of me who is exactly except the wardrobe <laughs> like that man <laughs> and you do have a seriousness about you but you also are very light and humorous you know whereas he was more serious so that's how i met gary before i met gary so i was really interested that's just another cool story it's just so great being alive so i wanted to thank gary for joining me on this episode of pondering with peg and for being such a great friend and teacher uh, thank you all for listening, and remember, be the light.